Good. Good to see you guys. It's getting cold in Michigan, and it's not good. I don't like it. Uh, like, like the week before, this one was the best one, in my opinion. Like, that's the, that's the weather that I'm here for. Like, when it starts to, like, just get really cold, it's, like, not my, not my thing. Tonight, we're diving into talking about the Lord's Prayer, um, and um, thank you, Gary, for, for setting us up tonight and giving us some, some um, ways to think about our relationship with God and, um, and really what that looks like and what it looks like to have a real, a real relationship with him. Um, we are starting this series on prayer, and through this series, we're going to be talking about how to pray, what to pray, um, when to pray, but tonight, um, we're going to kick things off. This is really funny because, yeah, Siri, nope, I don't want to do that. No, thank you. When I said series, it thought I was saying series. So, um, but we're, tonight, we're going to kick things off with talking about what not to do when it comes to prayer. And since we're talking about what not to say, let's get started talking about a few things that maybe we've said maybe the wrong way at the wrong time. Maybe you can relate to some of these. I'm going to read off a few of our classic wrong thing at the wrong time. Have any of you ever said you too to a waitress when they say, hey, enjoy your meal, and you're like, hey, you too. Like, I almost did it. Sarah and I took a trip down to Texas this past weekend, and, like, the, the person checking in our bags was like, hey, enjoy your flight. And I was like, mm, mm, no, they're not flying with us. So, you know, wrong thing, wrong thing at the wrong time. Has anyone ever asked a not pregnant woman when the baby was due? Has that ever happened? That would be an awful thing. That's not something that you guess at ever. Um, just don't even, don't even go there. Um, has anyone called somebody by the wrong name, like you were sure you knew their name, and you're like, hey, blah, blah, and then it wasn't their name? Yeah, that, that has definitely, definitely happened. Um, have you ever, any of you ever done the, like, somebody's waving, and you're like, hey, like waving back, and then they're like waving to somebody behind you, and you're like, I don't know what to do, that's so, so awkward. Um, has anyone ever called their teacher mom in front of the whole class? Has that ever happened? Yeah. That's a, that's, a good, that's a good wrong thing at the wrong time. How about this one? Have you ever been like, you know, someone's talking to you and like you say, what? What'd you say? And they repeat it and you didn't hear it. And you're like, what? What'd you say? Can you repeat that? And then they repeat it and you still don't hear it. And you go, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then they're like, no, what are you? And you're like, you weren't really hearing what they said, but you like acknowledged it. And like that creates a really, really awkward situation. Yeah. Sometimes... Um, we get a little bit mixed up in what we do. Now, I'm gonna give you guys a story from my life, um, and this is a pro tip for all of you guys, so you don't have to make um, this mistake that I made. Because um, I lived through a very intense, wrong thing at the wrong time experience. Sarah and I were engaged. Um, we were engaged to be married. And we were doing all of the fun preparing for marriage things. We were planning the wedding. We were planning our lives together. We were getting excited about, um, you know, getting married and, and all that, that 
meant, and um, we were at that time in school in Virginia, and we decided to take a day trip to a town that was about an hour away. And car drives used to be, I mean, they still are, but car drives were for us a pretty exciting time because it was just, you know, time where we were stuck in the car, able to talk about things, able to figure some things out. But this car ride was getting a little bit tense because we were talking about what we were going to do with a vehicle when we got married. I grew up as a man, and I didn't understand the fear of getting stranded. Sarah grew up as a woman, and she had a fear of getting stranded based on, you know, driving somewhere. It's like, if I got stranded, I was going to be fine. I was like, I've been this big forever, and I wasn't worried about, like, you know, any, any problems. I didn't understand this, and she didn't understand that I didn't understand this. And I also didn't grow up with a ton. My car was given to me when my grandfather passed away, and it was free, and it worked. And like when a little kid draws a picture of a car, they draw a pretty close picture to a 1994 Dodge Shadow. That's what I drove. It looked like a classic, like what a kid would draw a picture of a car. And sometimes my car wouldn't start, and so I would take out the car-starting hammer that was underneath the front seat, and I would open the hood, and I would hit the battery, and then my car would start. And I, like, knew what my car did. And it was reliable, like, most of the time, and it was sweet. It actually made it, like, when we moved to Michigan, it made it all the way up to Michigan. So, like, it lasted. It was, like, my childhood car, my first car, and it, like, made it through, like, the birth of our first child. It was awesome. It was the best car that ever existed. Sarah grew up driving leases, new cars leased from dealerships, reliable, no problem, no car starting hammer leases. For me, if a car gets you from point A to B, from point A to point B most of the time, it's a good car. If a car has a chance of breaking down and it's not safe, then it's bad in Sarah's mind. For me, a great car is a cheap old car. For Sarah, a great car is a reliable new car. And we didn't understand this about each other, and we were trying to figure out, as two kids, basically out of college, about to get married, what we were going to do. And we're arguing about it on this trip. We're presenting ideas of what we should do. Our disagreements is, is growing. We're getting more and more frustrated about it because we just didn't understand each other's feelings about it. Now as we're driving down the road. At the time, one of my favorite cars was a Toyota 4Runner. I just liked the SUV, thought it was sweet. We pass one for sale on the side of the road. And Sarah goes, well, why don't we just get a 4Runner? That's your favorite car anyway. And I looked at her and I said, why don't we just get you a broomstick? They get great gas mileage, <laughs> is what I said. And I, like, looking back on that, I must have been, like, she still married me. I must have been so ridiculously good-looking at that time in my life that, like, that didn't cause, like, didn't cause her to part ways with me. But, like, if we talk about saying the wrong thing at the wrong time, I've got you. 
I can do it. And it doesn't matter what I was trying to do. I was trying to, like, depressurize the situation. I thought, oh, this would be kind of funny, lighten the mood a little bit. And it was quiet in the car for the rest of our drive. Like, there wasn't a word that was exchanged between us for the next, like, 35 minutes of the drive. It was awesome. It was really, really good. Not good. Not good. So... We all have times in our lives, hopefully not as bad as mine, where we said the wrong thing. And if we change gears and we start thinking about prayer and talking about prayer, and I think that we really want to make sure that when we're talking to the God of the universe that we're saying the right thing when it comes to prayer. We're going to break this down, look through the Lord's Prayer, and really figure out the heart behind what it means to pray to the God of the universe. But before we get into how to pray, we should really talk about how not to pray. I also come up, came up with a personal story that relates to this about how we can pray poorly. Most of you, if you've heard me speak, you've heard me talk about my love for basketball growing up, for playing basketball. When little Joe was about 10 years old, I was trying to make a bargain with God to get me into the NBA. And I would, when I was out there by myself shooting baskets, in my, my little 10-year-old mind, to be praying to God, going, God, you know what? I promise you, if, we just get, if you just get to the NBA, like, I'll tell everybody about you. I'll go, you know, I'll do this. I'll do that for you. And I was, I was having, like, this little, you know, bargain with God as 10-year-old as Joe figuring out how, how to pray. Now, the pinnacle of the bad basketball prayers came at the end of our season, my junior year of high school. Our team was in the state champion, champion, championships, and we were progressing along, um, and our team had kind of adopted this. I, I went to a public school. It was a medium-sized public school in North Carolina, um, and our team adopted this kind of odd for public school thing where before our games, like guys would be saying prayers. And you know, I mean, for those of you who are in public school, like having a teammate gather the team around and say, hey, let's pray together, like before this game was kind of a, like, oh, like as a Jesus follower, I was like, this is really interesting, but I don't really know where this is coming from, what's going on. And in the semifinals, our team lost. And we came back into the bath, into the locker room and we're sitting there, and somebody goes, hey, you know what? We should probably pray. And people are like, yeah, we probably, we probably should do that. And this kid, Ben, who was the least likely on our team to ever say a prayer, um, said, hey, I'll, I'll pray. And he stood up, and he goes, dear God, thanks for nothing. <laughs> and, like, there was this, like, what you guys did, everyone went, <gasps> <laughs> and then, like, there was, like, this real weird, awkward laughter. <laughs> but it was fascinating because in that moment, thinking back on it, and, like, somebody picked it up and, like, said, like, what felt like a normal prayer and kind of, like, remedied the situation. But it was really this, this odd thing. But it drew this thing out for the arc of what our team was trying to accomplish. In the same way that little 10-year-old Joe was trying to 
get something that he wanted from God by making a bargain with him about what he was going to do. You know, our team on that journey was trying to make a bargain with God along the way to get to the state champion. And so I think that a question to think about when we pray, first one is, when we pray, do we bargain with God? Do we say, hey God, if you give me this, then I'll do this. If you provide for me in this way, then maybe I'll um, serve you in this way. The other question is, do we use God when we pray? Do we think of God as a vending machine who's out there where if we press these buttons with our prayers along the way, then out of the bottom of the God-sized vending machine comes the thing that we press and ask for. And then I think the question, third question is this. When we pray, do we ever sit and listen to God? Do we just start our prayer talking, end our prayer talking, or do we ever take time when we pray to just sit and be present and see if God might actually speak to us. Leading into the Lord's Prayer, it's interesting, there are two sections that Jesus talks about right before he talks about how to pray. And Jesus must have seen some pretty bad examples of prayer in the world around him. We start, and this is in Matthew chapter 6. I didn't put the verses um, on there, but you guys can find this in Matthew chapter 6, right before the Lord's Prayer. The first part that Jesus says is this. He says, and when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogue and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. These people that Jesus is talking about were praying for show. And what we learn from Jesus here is that prayer is not about glorifying yourself, but it should be about glorifying God. Jesus goes on to say, but when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. What we learn from Jesus here is that prayer is not about being heard by others, but being heard by God himself. And then Jesus goes on to say, and when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they, will, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. And what we find here, Jesus is showing us that prayer is not about offering up empty phrases, hoping that God will hear us because we're constantly praying to him, but it's trusting that he has you Now, over the last couple of months for me, I've been in a little bit of a, of a weird place personally. I've lost my dad back in July. And my dad was someone who knew how to pray. My dad met with God regularly, speaking and listening to God. He set an awesome example for me in how to do that. And I really noticed that after he was gone, 
I mean, I felt it in my life that there are things that he was holding up through prayer in my life. Like, I just felt this, I felt this weight. I'm like, what is, what is going on? It's like, oh, my dad was regularly praying for me, for my family, for the things that were going on in my life. And I really just started, started wrestling with this. Oh, there, is this there is this weight in the absence of, of my dad that I've, that I've got to come to terms with. Um, and it was in those moments of wrestling and dealing with it that um, this song that I'm going to play for you guys, you know, God, God showed up to me in it. Um, have you guys ever been, have you ever gone through something and then like you'll have a, a song or a phrase or something that just kind of shows up in your life? You're like, oh, where did this come from? Like, I remember getting ready one morning and there was a part of this song that like I was just repeating, repeating the phrase to him. Like, why is that? Why is that my mind? I was driving in my car and I figured, hey, I might as well put the song on and listen to it. And I mean, it wrecked me. I was like driving down the road just sobbing because it was like, oh, this is the message that I needed from God in this moment. When I'm wrestling with my dad's life, with the way that he prayed, with the person that he was, um, and it's, it's fascinating. It's by this guy named John Foreman, and it's actually his interpretation of the Lord's Prayer. And so I'm going to ask um, them to play this video for you guys.
The thing that caught me in the middle of that song was the phrase, you know, two things you've told me, that you're strong and that you love me. And, you know, in that moment of wrestling, like those were the words that I needed. And I think that those were the, those were the words that I needed to help me know in that moment how to, how to approach God. As I, as I wrestled. And I think that there are words for us today as we think about how not to pray. There are words for us today as we look forward to thinking about how to pray. Because the jumping off point when it comes to how we pray or how we don't pray is really what we believe in our hearts when it comes to God and when it comes to who he is and how much he cares for us. The two things that we need to know as we approach prayer is that our God is strong and that our God loves us. And I don't know if you're here tonight and that's something that you've never realized about God and who he is and how he cares for, for you. But if that's something that you've never wrestled with, if that's new information for you, um, then my invitation for you guys tonight would be 
that you can have a relationship with a God who is strong and who cares deeply for you. And it's something that he offers freely to you. That's something that you've never explored. In a little bit, we're going to go to our groups. And I'd love for you guys to talk with your group leader about that. Um, So we're going to pray in a second. We're going to release you guys to small groups. We're going to have a couple announcements for you guys. Um, And then we're going to send you to groups. And actually, your group leaders tonight don't have scripted conversations for you guys, don't have a series of questions to ask you. Um, the goal in this prayer series is just to talk openly about prayer, um, to talk about where we're coming from, how we treat God when it comes to prayer, uh, maybe find out where each, each one of us is um, in that. And so I would encourage you guys as you get ready to head to, um, to groups that you would have open hearts to having that conversation, to exploring you know, what, what it looks like to talk to a God who is strong and who loves us. So I'm going to pray for us going to have some announcements. God, we thank you that you um, do care for us. Uh, We thank you that you are kind enough to give us, give us a roadmap for how to um, pray and how not to pray, um, how to approach you and what our hearts should be. And God, we do thank you that you are strong and that you care deeply for us. Um, God, may that be the place that we are able to offer prayers from. Thank you for these students. Uh, Thank you for what you're doing in their lives, um, how you're drawing them towards you. I pray that tonight they would be um, just open to to what you um, might be saying to them. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.